Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are starting the second half of Ezekiel, which starts with the judgments to the nations surrounding Israel and Judah in chapters 25 through 32. The destruction of Jerusalem has happened, so that puts us around 587-586 BC. Dr. Bett said in Old Testament class that it is not a case where he travels to these other nations. He pronounces judgment mainly as an encouragement to the people in exile to show those who have done wrongly that God is a just God and will mete out judgment on them, end of quote. But before we jump into these judgments, I want to point out something about how to approach Scripture which affects how we interpret Scripture. Last week we read a verse, chapter 22, verse 30, which says, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. On its own, it sounds like a great verse, and it is. It brings to mind people like Moses who stood in the gap for the children of Israel from the exile of Egypt until his death right before they entered the promised land. It spurs us on to say, I want to be that one who stands in the gap for these people. The problem I struggled with was, but what about the fact that we know that Jeremiah was there in Jerusalem? He prophesied within the walls of Jerusalem, but the people would not listen. Did not Jeremiah fit the bill as a person standing in the gap? Then we have within the book of Ezekiel itself, and in chapter 14, verses 14 and 20, the Lord said, Even though these men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst, by their own righteousness, they could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord God. What do we do when the scripture seems to contradict itself? My process is, first, I do not stuff the question away because I am afraid that I'm questioning God. The Lord can handle any question. Next, I recognize that I believe that the Bible is from God and it has spoken to me and it has brought great truth to my life. So because I do not understand this one verse or this one issue, I do not throw away the whole Bible. Instead, I try to figure out what it could mean because I do know that the Lord is truth and he cannot contradict himself. Then I process it through and think about ways to interpret this passage to where it does not contradict. For instance, in this case, I recognize that Jeremiah was a priest and a prophet, but he was not the high priest or the king who had authority of the nation. The same would be true of Noah, Daniel, and Job. So perhaps this verse could be interpreted that none of the leaders with authority who could build up the walls could be found. Always remember, ladies, that context is key in interpretation of Scripture. First, we look at the chapter. Then where does it fit in the book? And then what is the point of the book? And then where does it fit into the whole Bible? 
one point this whole book is showing us is that judgment was coming upon the nation of Israel because of their sin, and no one would be able to stop it. A part of that is due to individual responsibility, and the other part is due to God's sovereignty. See Hassel Bullock in his book, in An Introduction to the Old Testament Prophetic Books, says with regard to contradictions we might see in scripture or in the history that we know, when we do not understand, he says, the problem is real and none of the approaches enumerated may be a satisfactory solution. Ezekiel In another passage, chapter 20, affirms that sometimes the rationale of God's actions recedes into his own mysterious nature and hinges upon his own best interests, which human beings cannot always comprehend. Page 300. I say all of that to say, don't be afraid of the questions that come to mind. Ask the Lord. Do research, and when we don't fully understand, then we can trust in the Lord because His Word, the Bible, truly is amazing. This book was written by over 40 different authors with a time span of around 3,000 years, and yet it tells one story. I trust this book, even when questions come to mind. We don't have to be afraid of anything in this book. That is, if we are seeking to find the Lord. For those who are not seeking to find the Lord, there are judgments coming, and that leads us to the next section of Ezekiel. The first section of this book declared judgment upon Judah and Israel because of their unfaithfulness to the Lord. Now that judgment has come upon her. Now the Lord is declaring his judgment upon the nations surrounding Jerusalem. As Bullock said, one of the purposes of this collection is evidently the announcement that the day of the Lord is also impending for the nations, just as he had announced Israel's doomsday in the first section, page 297 of his book. The countries that are mentioned are Ammon, who are descendants of Lot, Abraham's nephew, Moab, who is also a descendant of Lot, and then Edom, who were descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. All three of these nations are on the east side of the Jordan River. Philistia, Tyre, and Sidon were all located on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea on the west of Judah, either to the south or north. The last nation mentioned is Egypt, who is on the southern border of Judah. The one who brought destruction to Judah Babylon is coming from the north, and he will also be the instrument of the Lord used to bring judgment to the other nations. Now, let me point out to you the layout of the judgments. Each start with something like, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and Bullock calls this a word of reception. Many of them begin with the Lord addressing Ezekiel as the son of man who spoke the message. Bullock calls this a word of address to the prophet. We also see the phrase, thus saith the Lord, which Bullock describes as a word of validation. With almost everyone, we have the word because. So the Lord is explaining why the judgments are coming. Bullock calls this a word of indictment. 
And the last description Bullock gives is a word of confirmation, which is usually shown with the phrase, and they will know that I am the Lord. It can also be declares the Lord. These definitions are found in Bullock's book on page 298. Another word that is mentioned in almost every judgment is the word behold. The only nation that does not have that word is the one for Edom. We are to see what the Lord has done and learn from it. Ammon is judged because she took great delight in the destruction of Jerusalem. Moab's judgment comes because they declared that the house of Judah was like all other nations, and Edom and Philistia because they took vengeance upon Judah. Both of these nations took advantage of the situation when Judah was attacked by the north. They both tried to attack from the west and the east. With the area of Tyre, there are three chapters devoted to her. If you remember, this was the place where their king was friends with King David and then with King Solomon. This is a seaport and many goods, such as the trees to make both the king's palace and the temple were from there. So chapter 26 points out the judgment, which is because they rejoiced when Jerusalem was broken, because they said, Aha, the gateway of the people is broken. It is open to me. The economy is playing a large part in this judgment. One thing I have shared before is that Israel and Judah were on the roadway that connected the two continents. So they were never a world power, but their land was and still is extremely valuable. In chapter 27, the Lord tells Ezekiel to write a lamentation over Tyre. Then chapter 28 is judgment over the king of Tyre because his heart had become prideful. And then he was also to write a lament, a song of sorrow, over the king of Tyre. Chapter 28 continues with judgment on Sidon. And with this section, there is not a because section. And then in the middle of the judgments, we see a glimmer of hope. As Dr. Bet said, when we see a book or message of judgment, we must always look for the message of God's hope and restoration. End of quote. Here it's found in verses 25 and 26 of chapter 28. Thus says the Lord God, when I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and will manifest my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, then they will live in their land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. They will live in it securely and they will build houses, plant vineyards and live securely when I execute judgments upon all who scorn them round about them. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God. After this word of hope, after this word of restoration, the other nations mentioned were Egypt and Babylon. Some of these prophecies were given dates when Ezekiel wrote them down. Just one thing to note is that they are not in timeline order, but they seem to be grouped by nation. Chapter 29 is judgment against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and against all who are in Egypt. With the judgment of Egypt, there is also a limitation that the Lord sets, and this is found in verses 12 and 13. They will be desolate for 40 years. 
Chapter 30 is a lamentation for the nation of Egypt, and it starts in verses 2b and 3. Wail, alas for the day, for the day is near. Even the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. The day of judgment came to Judah. Now the time has come for the rest. The judgment against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, continues, and the Lord says they will be wiped out like Assyria was by Babylon. And in chapter 32 is another lamentation or a song of sorrow for Egypt and for Pharaoh. What I like about this section is that it is clear there are reasons for the Lord's judgment. Next, the Lord wants to make himself known, not just to the Jews, but to all peoples. The Lord does fight for his people, and vengeance is from the Lord, and he does a great job at it. Dr. Westerholm said in worship class that the Lord's punishment always fits the crime. I can see that in these judgments. There is also a theme that these nations thought they were so great, and they each crumble. We will find that Babylon also crumbles. But the Lord is still on his throne. Therefore, we have hope. Ladies, no matter what is going on in our world, we can have hope. Way back in 2008, when Sarah Palin was running for the vice presidency with John McCain as president, that was the first time that I realized that America may not always be this great nation that I grew up in. Someday, it may not even be a republic anymore. If there is one thing that history teaches us is that nations rise and fall. No matter what happens, we can trust the Lord and he is faithful to the remnant who is faithful to him. We have seen that with Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and we will see it with Daniel. So ladies, where does your hope lie? If you hear his voice today, Don't harden your hearts like the nations did. Instead, let's be women who hear and obey like Ezekiel. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.